Welcome to Earth Glow. I'm Dr. Cyan Proctor, and as you can see from the Netflix trailer, my life radically changed in 2021 when I flew to space with Inspiration 4. What you might not know about my space story is that I won my seat to space as an artist and a poet. Inspiration 4 was the perfect mission for me to be a part of because my life mission has always been to inspire. Coming back from space, I have been so fortunate to team up with my musical collaborator, Mary Liz, and... <laughs> Thank you. And to share my cosmic perspective through music and poetic storytelling. My most famous art piece is called Seeker, and Seeker represents the way I think about human exploration. It's an art piece that went on an epic journey. It went down to the Mariana Trench with the deepest part of our planet with astronaut Richard Garriott. <laughs> then it went to the most iconic shipwreck in human history, the Titanic, with another astronaut, Scott Parazinski. And then Seeker went to space with me and my crew members, and I donated the, the physical piece to St. Jude Children's Research Hospital as part of our $200 million fundraising campaign, which we've hit $250 million. <laughs> We kick off Earth Glow performance with the animated version of Seeker. I'd like to request something really special. If you all could just try to sing one note with me, take a journey with me, okay? Trust me on this one. It's really simple. And just try to sustain the note for as long as you can. Mm -hmm. Keep it going. Some people can breathe. that one note mm, and I'm going to sing on top of it that's what we're going to do okay
through our music, I translate to you the experience I'm having within. That's what this show is all about. I'm trying to illustrate that art and science are two sides of the same coin of exploration. They go hand in hand. And what's so incredible, when you really think about humanity and you check out the timeline of life, you notice one thing that we have always been artists. That is what makes us human. As soon as we emerged onto the evolutionary timeline, we, we began to create rhythm through the rocks and sticks and materials that we found around us. We created percussion. Scientists believe we did this before we ever spoke. There are other scientists that believe that before we spoke language, we used our voice to sing to one another, to form bonds together. And we do know for a fact that our music and our language evolved together. Now the first instrument that was discovered on the fossil record is the bone flute, a flute made from bird bone. So we are always using the tools around us to create these instruments. And as we continue to traverse the planet and harvest new materials, we created new tools of expression. And with each new instrument we created, we got a new set of notes, a new set of scales. And with each new scale, we get a new type of expression. You can hear it in the changes of these songs as we continue through the timeline of life. Some of these instruments are perfect for solo introspection and some for joyous communal celebration. And you can also hear in this the way that our music shaped our culture, just like our materials shaped our music. And as we continued to evolve and our instruments became more and more complex, so too did our expression and our connection to one another. Now in the 1900s, something very, very magical happened. This is my favorite part of the timeline. We amazing humans learned how to harness the power of electricity and translate that into sound waves through synthesis. Now with digital synthesis, and everything that I'm using to run this show, by the way, I have these incredible music gloves that are controlling my computer, controlling all of the visuals, all the music, all the sounds, and all of this was only invented in the last decade. So it's incredible to consider where we've been and this exponential trajectory, considering where we're going. Uh, now, I think I see some space nerds I recognize in the room. So uh, hopefully you've noticed that every single sound that I just played came from the most powerful playlist in human history. The Voyager Golden Record was shot off into space in 1977, thanks to NASA and Carl Sagan. And it was sent out there because we knew that it would travel maybe even beyond the existence of humanity, billions of years into space, and it would serve as kind of a message in a bottle 
assuming that maybe someday an intelligent species would come across this and be able to listen to this record and discover a little bit about what we humans were like. I think that says a lot about us as a musical species. Now that same spacecraft turned around on Valentine's Day in 1994 and took the most important picture in human history. This, are you familiar with it, hands? Pale blue dot? So if you look very, very closely, there is a tiny, 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 less than a pixel on a typical screen. Pale, pale, pale blue dot, it looks kind of white here. That is our planet suspended in a sunbeam from the other side of Saturn this image was taken. Every single time we turn around for a moment of introspection, we explore, we push ourselves, we push the bounds, we turn around and we learn something very important about ourselves. In 1968, Apollo astronaut Bill Anders took the now famous Earthrise image of our planet from the other side of the moon. And when he returned, he was asked to describe his experience and all he could say was, we should have sent poets. We did not have the language to express the grandeur of what we had seen and felt. And so I'm so honored to be standing next to a poet who went to space with the intention of poetically capturing the experience and translating it for all of us here today. I am a seeker. That's what we all are. Early memories wishing to be up among the stars. I imagined and dreamed and longed for something out of reach. That impossible, against all odds, kind of wonder nobody can teach. Fueled from within, a childhood fantasy of floating away, boldly going to a new place to play. I seeked out education and opportunity. I persevered through disappointment in our lack of unity. Crazy challenges based on the gender and color of my skin, but never giving up hope for that little girl deep within. There had to be a way for imagination to win. I continue to believe in both myself and humanity. Hope was my drug of choice to keep my sanity. Then, one day, my world tilted, and I watched in wonder and awe as everything shifted. A contest to win a seat to space. I just needed to present a new, more authentic face. I found my voice as an artist and poet. So I wrote these words to enable me to show it.
got space. I've got space. We all have space to inspire. That's why we dream of going higher and higher. But what is space if you can't breathe? Let's stop sucking out the air of our humanity. We have a moment to seize the light. Earth from space, both day and night. We have J for justice to ignite the bold. We have E for equity to cut past the old. We have D for diversity to end the fight. We have I for inclusion to try to make it right. A Jedi space to rally behind. A universal force so big it binds. Inspiration to change the world. A new beginning for us to hold. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about space to inspire for all of humanity. Science, technology, engineering, and math, sending us out on the explorer's path. But don't forget the arts, the heartbeat of time. Thank you for sending a poet who knows how to rhyme. So let us drop the mic and close the capsule door. Thanks for making sure Dr. Proctor was on board. My space to inspire is what we need. Inspiration for, for all of humanity. Epic. <laughs> that, that was the poem. That was the poem that I submitted to Inspiration for that won me my seat to space. To my surprise, I got selected, headed to space on a dream manifested. To space on a dragon, I take flight, a SpaceX capsule in the twilight of night. Today you are truly inspiring the world. Wish you a great mission. Good luck, Godspeed, and enjoy the ride.
I found myself a shooting star, staring back at Earth from afar with a cosmic perspective of our planet, a special overview effect that I was now granted. I've been a space documentarian since well before uh, Cyan went to space, and we were very, very good friends before that moment that she was selected. So imagine my surprise. Um, I've spent many years since about 28, 17, 16, 17, interviewing astronauts about this transformative experience that they have when they go into space and they turn around and they have a look at our planet. And this profound phenomenon is called the overview effect. It's a term that was coined in 1987 by our dear friend, Frank White. And what I've learned through my years of interviewing the astronauts is that there are many patterns in, in what they have to say. They all come back changed. In the past, they have typically left as fighter pilots, uh, often engineers and scientists. And when they return, they change their labels a bit. They call themselves humanitarians, conservationists. When they see that thin blue line that is the only thing protecting every living thing that we know of. And humanitarians, when they recognize our one shared future together. I have brought a few of these samples from my interviews that I want to share with you so you can hear from some of the other astronauts that have had this experience. Watch, when you go to space, you've trained so hard and so long for this. Technically, you are incredibly well prepared and ready. Um, but it all happens so quickly. You know, you've, you've done all these years of training and in eight and a half minutes, it's over. The, the part that you spend the most training time and you're going 17,500 miles an hour and you're in space. 15 minutes into the flight, I raised my seat and kind of unstrapped and I looked out the front window. I found that I was totally unprepared for this part of the, of the flight. I, this was emotional. And I couldn't tell one country from the other because there were no borders, there were no boundaries. All that geography that I had studied, there was nothing down there to tell me anything at all about the, the divisions, it was just one big continent. And, and I, I wept, I mean, I, I literally cried um, because I was just overwhelmed, you know, that uh, I thought I was all prepared. And I looked down there and, and here it was, um, I wasn't prepared at all for that uh, overwhelming emotional experience of seeing our planet from that perspective. Every single time I flew, you always had this overwhelming realization of where I come from. I come from that planet, from that place, and we've got to do something to make it the way it ought to be. And every single day, uh, it got, it just became more and more obvious, as other people have said, that we're all on the spaceship together. It knocks the wind out of you to realize that, boy, what are we fighting about? Man, we're down here fighting about nothing instead of working together to preserve this, this incredible planet on which we live.
it's a life-changing experience. It shakes you at your core. And if you look at the world differently, it impacts everything you do. It shows us the true nature of our world. And once you understand the true nature of our world, then your choices will reflect that. In my heart, I was thinking that, imagine if everyone had a chance to see this and how it would fundamentally shift the way they think, they work, they live. You know, that sense of oneness that is so apparent when you're in space is something that uh, has become my greatest desire to communicate to the world, to uh, be able to erase these lines that divide us. They're not there, but they're in our minds and in our actions and in, in our interaction with each other. So, if we can erase those lines and those boxes and those borders, I think uh, this world will be a different place. Thank you. With Inspiration4, I became the first black female to pilot a spacecraft. A space, <laughs> a SpaceX Dragon capsule. And what made our Dragon special is that we had the largest continuous window ever flown in orbit. A cupola at the top, you can see the cupola that allowed us to look back down at our, our planet. And one of my favorite moments is when we opened our forward hatch to the cupola for the first time. When I, I'm going to show you a video in a second. And I'm shooting the video, so you're not going to see me, because I knew that this was going to be a very special moment. And I wanted to capture my crew member's reaction. And you're going to see Haley, and Haley is going to pull out this white ribbon because she's got to protect the forward hatch. 
And there's going to be a moment when Haley looks up through our forward hatch for the first time to really take in the sight. And so watch her face. And I must say, in real time, I queued up some special music that my, my crew members did not know. And I pushed play when I shot this next video. Haley's face. This was the first time that I noticed earth light. Now, some of you are like, earth light, what is that? Earth light is like moonlight, but only more beautiful and spectacular. So all that light that was flooding into our dragon capsule through our cupola was earth light. And seeing the earth from space gave me a sense of place. I thought, I thought the moonlight was my guiding light until that day when my soul shimmered, eyes wide and dilated with realization, for there I was being bathed in earth light tasered by the pulsating earth glow, my weeping ego quivers, spellbound in awe at the cosmic chaos perched against the death, a clear beacon of hope and longing etched by complex molecules and spiraling DNA, golden strands of energy cascading outward encapsulating hopes and dreams, existence and affirmation. The baby's blanket ripped away, I howl at the sensation. Love struck in suspension. My mind struggles to comprehend. So much meta 
transcending time and space? Who will hear the cries of the generations? Afro-Gaia simmers under the weight of memories. I hold court among the stars and testify to the cosmos. All our hopes set adrift. Let us be set free in a sea of forgiveness for what we have not seen. If only we could all be baptized by earth. Every point of light you see in that last Hubble image is not a star, but a galaxy containing billions of stars. Almost every star has planets orbiting it on average. And there are more stars in our universe than grains of sand on our entire planet. For me, that is the essence of the cosmic perspective to long for exploration, but at the same time to understand our beautiful, magical existence right here on this perfect planet where we all are together today. Thank you. We <laughs> Thank you for attending our session on Earth Glow an astronaut's perspective. And now we would like to open it up to questions from the audience. Uh, we have a microphone right here. And so you can come down and ask about, oh, I want to start off by asking Mary Liz a question myself. Wow. Um, Mary Liz, do you want to go to space? Yeah. <laughs> Who wants and to go to space? What do you want to do in space? 
I want to play music with these gloves. <laughs> Why can do you, you think I'm here doing this? Can you tell us a little bit about your space story? You're so sweet. Um, sure. I, you know, I grew up on a farm, always uh, seeing the Milky Way at night, and I've always longed to go out there further and further. Um, and so I've always longed for space, but I, I never knew at a young age what was going on in space, uh, which is why I'm so passionate about communicating about what's happening in space today with others. Um, but I'm, I've always been a musician. This is how I speak. This is how I communicate. And when I learned about the overview effect, I knew that I wanted to either help translate what was going on up there, and then maybe someday if I get the chance going up there myself. And I thought to myself, did a lot of research on instruments in space. Many have been taken to space. They're pretty awkward up there because they were created from the materials, uh, you know, by uh, the materials of Earth and made for gravity. But in space, you float. And, and wouldn't you want to be able to express yourself while floating rather than strapping yourself to the piano so you don't fly away when you hit the keys? And so these incredible music gloves uh, allow me to float around in my wild imagination and express myself in the moment, which I think is something that you, you did because you painted in space. You were able to capture that in the moment with your artistic expression. And uh, that's my dream for everyone, really. Uh, don't we all want to see Mary Liz in space with her gloves playing music? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, first question. <laughs> Hi there, my name is Melissa Poor. I'm a high school engineering teacher in Arlington, Virginia. Um, I'm a teacher Ooh. ambassador for the International Space Station, and I just want to say it's very, I feel like we just had the overview effect simulated to us. So my question is, <clears throat> how have your thoughts changed about your own challenges and vulnerability? Oh, wow, that is such a good question. Um, you know, uh, post-space life is very different from, um, it's so funny to be able to say that, post-space life, um, uh, than when I went to space. Uh, I think that in many ways, you know, I had, uh, there was a lot of weight that I carried being the first black female to pilot a spacecraft, uh, and knowing that it, it, when I got selected, you know, SpaceX was like, you won a, a contest to space, but you have to qualify for your seat or you won't go to space. And, and so there was this enormous amount of pressure. You know, this was 2021. We're in COVID. You can't get hurt. You can't get sick and you can't mess it up. And, you know, I, I've been a teacher my entire career. Uh, I I'm a geoscience professor. And then, so I've been teaching at the community college for over 20 years, and I always told my students about lifelong learning. And here I was in my 50s having to, you know, become a systems engineer for a Dragon capsule. And, uh, and, and so I think back to that time of how amazing the experience was of going to the training with my crew, but also how emotionally um, it, it was a, uh, a lot to take on. And when you suffer from imposter syndrome, anybody imposter syndrome? Oh, yeah, right here, too. And, 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 and dealing with that narrative in my head. And so when we splashed down, 
It was my Phoenix rising moment. It was my becoming moment. I was like, I did it, and nobody can take it away from me, you know? And, and, and emotionally, there was definitely a shift. I still have to sometimes remind myself when I'm in a room uh, surrounded by amazing individuals uh, that uh, I belong to be, I belong in that room too, and that uh, I have my photo of myself in space. This is a reminder that that, that happened, but emotionally, it, you know, when you reach your childhood dream and you have it come true, um, there is definitely a cognitive shift. But also seeing the earth from that perspective, and as a geoscientist, you know, I, I love our planet, but then experiencing earth light and doing it as an artist and a poet. Just to put this in perspective, I am a scientist. I became an artist and a poet during COVID. How many of you baked during COVID? How many of you, you know, took up a new instrument during COVID? I took up art and poetry in June, July of 2020, and six months later, it won me a seat to space. And so it's been to go to space with this other side of my brain fully activated um, was, a, was, I'm so grateful. It was such a blessing. This message is powerful, and in the aftermath of the health pandemic, um, we need to realize we all belong. So thank you for this artistry. We need more. Thank you. Hi. My name is Marcia Bork, and in some ways I'm a pioneer like yourself. I'm a geoscientist, one of the early ones. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> One of the early ones like you, I'm the first female petro petroleum geologist to oh, career. Oh, thank you so it. much, because I know what I went through. So thank you for helping to trailblaze the way. Yeah, it was lots of fun. Yeah. <laughs> and you belong especially, oh. especially. Oh, thank you. I, I am deeply appreciative of what you do. You are an ambassador, not just for STEM, but for STEAM. It, because too many scientists think that they, are, they can only do one thing. Yeah, but you belong especially. I wanted to ask, where did you attend your undergraduate and graduate schools? Um, I went, I did my undergrad at Edinburgh University in Pennsylvania State School, just south of Erie, Pennsylvania. I don't think it's called Edinburgh anymore, but uh, and then I went to Arizona State University for my master's and my PhD. Yeah. PhD. So I got my master's at ASU, and I was the, I, I'm pretty sure I was the first black female accepted into the geology master's program at ASU. And being able to, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I served on AGI's scholarship committee uh, for minority geoscientists yes. for 30 years. Yes. So all the names are flipping through, and, and you, you were after I was on. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I have um, colleagues who are geologists and astronauts as well, Jim Riley, Jack Schmidt. Yeah, they're of my era. Oh, yeah. I thank you so much. Thank you. What an amazing way to start my morning. I mean, I barely got here. Um, <laughs> I have a strange job where I have one foot in social change and social justice and um, human rights work and one foot in the arts. And um, I'm always looking, I'm here at South By because I'm looking for art that can in part provide perspective and healing for people who are experiencing an incredible amount of burnout related to trying to do the work of social change and 
this is stunning. This is like just, this is, I, I was crying through the whole thing. I mean, it's just so amazing and healing and beautiful. So thank you. So I have two questions. One, please tell me that this can be made available to others somehow. And then my We're question, working on it. <laughs> oh my gosh. My question um, is, you've had this experience. You've had this perspective. Probably none of us in the room, except maybe you, will get to have it. Um, I, I can't even imagine the ways in which it shifted your life and your perspective. How, when you get pulled back into the darkness, how do you um, how do you hold on to that feeling, and how do you come how do you reground yourself in that experience? Uh, you know, that's another a great question because you 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 splash down, and not being a career NASA astronaut, you literally splash down. You celebrate with your crew members, and then you go home. And you're like, did that just happen? <laughs> like, what, what was that? Six months of my life. I got selected March 7th of 2021. We announced to the world March 30th of 2021. We launched to space September 15th, 2021, five and a half months later. And then at the end of September, I'm back on my couch in my house <laughs> thinking, what? Wait, what? You know, um, and what I learned, what I've learned from, you know, chasing space my entire life, being an analog astronaut, finally going to space, is that you need crew. You need your people. And so when I came back and being a new artist, I was like, oh, man, how do I, how do I share this experience? How do I capture what's happening? How do I find my crew and in May of last year, um, at the Analog Astronaut Conference, Mary Liz said, can I show videos of you in space? You know, I know you wrote this poem, Earthlight. Uh, and I said, well, why don't I just, I'm going to be there. Why don't I just say it while you're playing? And that's how we connected and uh, been forming this amazing crew of me um, Mary Liz and some other people like like Loretta Whitesides, who's here in the room, and um, and having support from people like Richard Garriott, uh, who's the president of the Explorers Club and my mentor. You know, it, it, crew, the people who inspire you and you inspire them, and that's how you you transition and and you get through the dark into the light. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you. <clears throat> Um, I do want, if, if anybody has, a, we've got another video we want to play really quickly. So if you just stay in the room for one second, we want to share this with you because it's epic. We, we have more time for questions, we'll so don't move. Moment. But I thought that was such a good segue. Um, Loretta Whitesides is a dear, dear friend who connected Cyan and I originally. Um, and she is doing something really, really important, especially if you live here in Austin or if you live in the line of totality, there is an eclipse coming in 2024. And I wanna show you this film really quickly because um, for those of you who want to experience the cosmic perspective, this is your chance. Go white sides and I'm a future. Hello, my name is Loretta Hidalgo Whitesides and I'm a future astronaut with Virgin Galactic. And while I can't take 50 million people to space with me, I can invite 50 million people to experience the most spectacular view on Earth, a total eclipse of the sun. 
on April 8, 2024, on a 100-mile band through North America. In the middle of the afternoon, the moon will click into place in front of the sun and will be plunged into darkness. The stars will come out and the temperature will drop like that. Looking up, you'll feel like you're part of the solar system. It's the closest you can get to being in space with your feet still planted on the ground. It's a magical four and a half minutes, the kind you'll never forget, and it could just change the course of your life. Do whatever you can to get yourself to the magical path of totality and join us in our mission to get 50 million people to experience this galactic convergence together. Go to eclipsefest.org for more. And if you live in Austin, you don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> Hello, my name is Loretta Hidalgo Whitesides, and I'm a future astronaut with Virgin Galactic. Sorry, I had that on a loop like all the other ones. Hi, I was uh, thinking about what you said, how you realized your childhood dream by becoming an astronaut. So I wondered, after achieving that childhood dream, what's next? What's your next big dream? That is a very good question because we all have what's next moments in our lives. Um, and, and for me, um, I found my authentic voice as an artist and a poet. And I have been working hard on how to find crew to support me in this endeavor, but also to develop myself. You know, I've never taken an art class since I was, I don't know, seventh grade, eighth grade. So I never took art history in, in college, even though I, I got my PhD, never took any art classes. And, and so I have a fellowship at Arizona State University. I'm the artist and explorer in residence. I gave them enough money. So, you know, getting my master's and PhD there. Uh, but I'm the artist and explorer in residence with a fellowship this year. And it's an XR fellowship. And so I'm working with Mary Liz to create this experience in the metaverse. Um, and also, I've been in a fabrication lab creating all of this art, this unique new art I call Afrobotica. And, uh, and so I am playing and exploring. And you can go to drsiamproctor.com to check out my shop and my art with new material coming up. <laughs> Hi, thank you both. My name is Danny. I work at the Museum of Science in Boston. Um, I direct the planetarium there, and I just wanted to thank you both. This was incredible. I, you know, sharing, being in the business of inspiring everyone with like love of looking up and all things astronomy. I guess my question for you is that one of the challenges that we have, or that I'm finding, you know, when when I was a kid, everyone wanted to be an astronaut. That was the thing. Now I feel like it's harder to get that met. Like I feel like kids want to be influencers, right? Like on YouTube. And how, how do we challenge that? How do we, like, what are the stories that we should be telling? What would you, each of you, I guess, say, particularly for those who, like, you know, don't see themselves re reflected in science and maybe have the more artist kind of pathway or different pathways, I guess? Um, I, I will say, and I'll let Mayor Liz answer this too, because I've been answering everything, um, that there's a place for everyone in space. And when we talk about the arts, one of the things that I did was I came back and I, uh, I am surrounded by amazing artists all the time who love space. 
And what I've noticed is that a lot of times they think that they don't have a place in space. And so I started the Proctor Foundation for Art and Science, where I specifically send BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, people of color, who are community college, I'm a community college professor, community college students, art and humanities majors to space camp so that they can see that I'm not asking them to change their major, I'm asking them to find their place in space, right? And we all have a space story, and we just need to be connected. It doesn't mean that you want to go to space, it's just that you have a space story, whether you're connected to walking in on moonlight when a full moon comes out, or you like to look up at the stars, or, you know, there's always something that connects us. Uh, and I, I like to say we're connected by one sky and one ocean, and, and we just need to keep pushing people to find not only their place in space, but their space story. And, and I think, you know, when kids want to be influencers, um, it's all about, I, my motto is space to inspire, how you use your unique space to inspire those within your reach and beyond. I think the thing about it is that you say, yeah, but what are you an influencer of? Like, where, where, how does your story advance humanity and what angle is that going to be? Is it going to be as an artist? Is it going to be as a scientist? You know, what problem, really, what problem do you want to solve as an influencer? Like, what is your passion? And if we can get people to connect to that, I think we can make a real difference. And then I always talk about how whatever you're trying to do, make your space to inspire a Jedi space, just equitable, diverse, and inclusive space. When I talk about a Jedi space, I'm not talking about outer space. I'm talking about this space, the space you inhabit. How do we make Jedi space for ourselves, our family, our communities, our schools, our, our, our society, our global world? Imagine what we would look like if we all used our space to inspire and it was a Jedi space. And all of that. And, <laughs> and as, as far as inspiring them goes, uh, the, the main thing that I, I've been thinking about a lot is that these astronauts, they only experience what we already know. We know we live on a planet and we're floating in space. We're taught this. But you don't really understand it until you experience it. That's intellectual knowledge that goes to experiential knowledge. And I think that uh, that's why I love using awe and wonder to share the magic of space flight, of the overview effect. And I think it's just what you're doing in the planetarium. But also, for me, it was seeing the rings of Saturn through a telescope that really made it real to me. Um, so if you can find those little experiences to draw them in, and then they'll naturally be inspired to do whatever it is they're really, really called to do, right? Oh, amazing. Thank you so thank much. You. And if we can ever get you to speak on our platform, we would love to have you in Boston. Boston, oh, yeah. Thank you. Boston I, I lived for seven years in Nashville, New Hampshire, so <laughs> I love Boston. Uh, and I do want to say a big shout out again to Loretta because I took her space kind training during the pandemic. And that is, and so when I, I was doing my... <laughs> I did too. Yes, and, and that was how I framed my thoughts that prepared me to be able to go on this epic journey. Mm -hmm. Space kind. Think about that. Mm -hmm. Space kind. Thank you very much um, for the insights and the performance. Thank you. Um, I have the honor to 
experience uh, astronauts talk. Can you hear me? Yeah. yeah. No, not really well. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I had um, the chance to, to see astronauts talk like four, and um, I realized they're all like really balanced and happy. Um, <laughs> so my question is, how did it change you? Could, could you like try to put it in words as a yeah, okay. The biggest thing that I noticed, and I was talking to this actually this morning with Loretta about, was I remember up until getting selected, how much I was, uh, uh, I spent a lot of time in my head dreaming about my future self and my future life. Like thinking about what I wanted to do and instead of being in the present moment, I was always daydreaming my life away and thinking, oh, how cool would it be if I could do this or I could be this or I could change my life to be that. And then when I came back from space, the biggest thing I noticed is that I don't daydream about my future self anymore. I live in the present now I am anchored in like, oh, hey, how's it going? You know, and being like, like, and, and it's really interesting because cognitively I, I spent a lot of energy trying and, you know, we talk about manifesting our future. And I think that that was part of it, like thinking about how do I get to the next thing? How do I level up? How do I do all of these things? And, and now to be in the present moment and not having that to some extent burden that cognitive load towards trying to um, trying to make something that you were chasing for so long happen and and that that's there's a, a real sense of contentment and peace that comes along with that um, that I'm very grateful for <laughs> I think we have time for one one more question yeah oh we're Okay, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Thank you all so much for coming out. I really Thank appreciate you it. for coming.